this is the Create Your Own Life Show, episode 645 with Derek Sivers. Start to write your own autobiography now. Add to it occasionally. Like, write the last chapter first, then keep filling in the previous chapters until you die. Tell your family where to find it on your computer so that when you're dead, they can release it to the world. And tell your story, share your thoughts, uh, record your personality. Your personality lives on in the thoughts of others. So the people who encountered you got to understand your personality, right? You're, they get to understand your thought process, the way that you see the world. Like this is, this is the uniquely Jeremy Ryan Slate way of seeing the world. And when you're gone, that stays with them. Like they'll continue to smile at the things that you said, or they'll continue to find some of your insights useful. They'll remember your weird opinions. They'll remember what you loved and why. I think we should each share our personality, uh, share your thought process, uh, share the way you think, because that is your afterlife. This is the Create Your Own Life show, where we interview people that are world-class performers, from Super Bowl champions to New York Times bestsellers to billionaires. We figure out what makes them tick and unpack it for you to do the same. I'm Jeremy Ryan Slate, and every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we help you to create your own life. Hey, what is up, everybody? Jeremy here, and welcome to episode number 645 of the Create Your Own Life show. And I got to tell you guys, I am very, very excited for today's guest as we have Derek Sivers with us today. He is the former founder of CD Baby, and uh, he's since moved on to that, um, working on a number of different projects. He's also given a TED Talk on the idea of movements, which I really recommend if you haven't seen that, to check that out. And he's also one of the original figures mentioned in the four-hour work week as well. So somebody that I've been looking forward to interviewing for a long, long time. And if you guys remember the list I've talked about of people I most admire that I put together when I wanted to put together the show, Derek was one of those 100 people I reached out to. And now, almost five years down the road, the interview has finally happened. And I got to tell you guys, this is an incredible interview. We don't really talk about building a business. We talk about living the in a culture outside of your own and how that perception can change your perception and change your worldview. We look at stoic philosophy and how Derek applies that in his life. We look at the idea of journaling and how that's had a huge effect on Derek's life and his very different idea on what he would write on his tombstone and what he would actually do with that. So guys, you do not want to miss this interview. Before today's episode, there's another podcast I think you should listen to. It's called Man Amongst Men, and the hosts tackle problems that men never talk about but secretly struggle with, like sex, purpose, and success. After you're done with today's episode, search and listen to Man Amongst Men on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get podcasts. As always, don't forget to subscribe for free in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else fine podcasts are served. And while you're over there, leave us a rating and review because, guys, I want to hear from you. All right, without further ado, let's get into this interview with Derek Sivers. Welcome to the Create Your Own Life show, Derek Sivers. 
Thanks, Jeremy. Hi. I'm really stoked to be chatting with you, Derek. So we are in uh, 2019. I started the show in early 2015. And uh, I, my audience knows this. I, I, you may not know this, but my audience knows that I created a list of the top 100 people um, that I most admired, reached out to them. You were on that list. And every couple of years, we've had an email <laughs> back and forth and the timing wasn't right. And uh, I guess finally, I hit you with the right set of questions. And here we are. Yeah, it's I'm at a place in my career where I've got nothing to promote. I don't want or need the attention. And uh, I got a little burnt out on doing interviews because I found that uh, at this stage in my life, I don't want to be the guy that has all the answers. I want to be the guy that has all the questions, but yet I'm not going to go host my own podcast. So I just found that uh, doing most interviews uh, were not really worth my time, but I really admire what you're doing. And you sent me over some really cool subjects to discuss. And so I'm looking forward to this. Absolutely. And and so Derek, you came on my radar way back when I read the, the four hour work week in, in 2007, um, as, as Tim spends a, a little bit of time talking about you. And then I've listened to various interviews and, and whatnot about you, um, you know, from from founding CD Baby to, to moving on from that to to being a, a clown for for a bit, um, a performer yourself. And now a lot of what you do is, you know, choosing the cultures that you live in. And you know, not too long ago, you sent out an email to, um, you know, your list, and you're basically like, "Hey, I'm I'm moving to Oxford. If anybody knows anything about the area or whatnot." And so, wh- why do you choose to live in certain places, and how has culture and perception of culture, I guess, changed? You know, your viewpoint of the world. It's a very loaded question. Yeah, it's one of my favorite subjects. Okay, <laughs> well, first, I need to give some context. Sure. So, 15 years ago. I was living on the beach in Santa Monica, California, and life was perfect. I mean, absolutely perfect. I was in heaven. My girlfriend of six years was from Sweden, and she wanted to travel the world. And I said, no way, are you crazy? Like, we're in paradise. Why go anywhere else? I mean, what do you expect to find? A better beach? I mean, come (laughs) on, this is it. Like, this is the end of the rainbow. We already live in the best place in the world. Why would you want to travel? Um, so shortly after that, we broke up, but not for that reason. <laughs> uh, and well, I mean, it wouldn't be a bad reason, though, either. <laughs> no, no, I mean, you know, it actually it was a wonderful relationship that came to its natural end. It was it, not to derail the story, but it was actually the best breakup I've ever had. It's like we were together for six and a half years. We went out to a movie, and after the movie, we just kind of looked at each other and said, "Like, do you want to break up?" And we went, "Yeah, I think it's about time. Let's break up." We just like went our separate ways. It was perfect. Anyway, so um, I went up to Portland, Oregon to run my company. Uh, a year later, I sold the company and suddenly I was 100% free to do anything and go anywhere. I had no responsibilities. So that's when I started thinking about what matters to me most in life. And my ultimate top value is learning and creating The combination of the two, like learning for the sake of creating, creating for the sake of learning. There's probably a long German word that encompasses both of those. But until then, we'll just say learning and creating. But I realized... I was having a conversation like a week ago that there's a part in the dashboard of a Volkswagen. And and in German, I don't know what it is, but it's basically the thing that goes into the thing that goes into the thing. So I got it. (laughs) Awesome. I love it. Um, So I realized that to keep growing intellectually... I need to keep being surprised. The danger, especially when you're over 30, 
is that you can get into a rut. I think a lot of us when we're teen teenagers and when we're in our 20s, like we grow and change all the time. And then people get into their 30s and it's just kind of like, yeah, well, this is me. This is who I am. Here's my sports team. Here's how I like my eggs. This is where I live. Um, so I wanted to keep being surprised because I think if we're not surprised, we're not really learning. Like, yes, we may add some new information, some more facts, but unless you're surprised, you're not really changing the way you think, right? It's only when you come across something that kind of makes you gasp and you go like, oh my God, I never thought about it that way. That's, a, oh my God, that's a different way of thinking. That's when you're really learning, not when you're just adding some more information in your head. I, so, I would totally agree with that, man, because it, it makes you have to either look at something the total opposite of how you looked at it or, or right. at least create a solution you didn't even think of. Right. So, yes, of course, I could have sat there in Santa Monica and I could have read books and I could have found surprise in that. But I, I think we can all shape our environment to be the most conducive for what we really want, right? So to me, I felt that the environment that would be the most conducive to constantly keeping me surprised and keeping me growing and learning would be to hit the road and live in places that are very uncomfortable to me, places that are full of surprises, places that are nowhere like where I grew up, um, places that have values very different from the ones I know, a place that does things differently. Because uh, to me, places kind of have a living philosophy. You know, it's like, there, there's a philosophy of Thailand. There's a philosophy of Finland. Uh, places, ha they're kind of like applied philosophies. So anyway, so I set off into the world with that goal. Like I wanted to live somewhere and fully integrate until this place feels like home and then move somewhere else new and do it again. Did you by any chance see the movie Big Fish? I, I did. It was a long time ago, though, so yeah. I, I don't quite remember the plot. <laughs> I barely remember it, but at the very beginning... Who's the guy that played Obi-Wan Kenobi in the in the reboot, whatever? Um, Ewan McGregor. Ewan McGregor. Okay. So he was the lead character, and he sets off in this journey. He has like a, a thick, like a Mississippi accent, and he says, like, I just want to go see the world. And when he first sets off, he comes across this jungle, and inside the jungle is this paradise, and everybody's incredibly happy and life is perfect and everybody there loves him. And they're just like, come stay. You should stay here. And he's tempted for about a day. And then he says like, I'm sorry, you know, this place is about as perfect as I can imagine, but I've got to go see the world. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I think the, the whole idea is like, you know what? I might never find a place as nice as this, but I need to go find out for myself. I can't just stop now before my journey's begun. So that's how I felt about Santa Monica. Like to me, living in Santa Monica, like, wow, this is really as good as it gets, but I need to go see the world. So, um, sorry, you actually, I just realized your, your question had two parts. You talked yeah, about so how it changes your perception and yeah, because I guess here, here's, I guess to, to kind of give you the, the layout of what I was thinking. So I, I lived in Peru for a little bit, which is a, a very cool experience. I lived in Peru and somehow managed not to go to Machu Picchu. I, I don't even know. Congratulations. Um, but culturally you understand people and situations a lot differently by living there. Right. Like you're even like, you know, like we're told China is a certain way. I, I was in China for quite a while and it was not, you know, it was, it was different, but it was not what I was raised to think it was. Mm -hmm. So I think it changes a lot of your worldview. So I guess how did travel and I guess any place in particular change your worldview? Okay. Um, well, as I said, it's a very loaded question, but I, I, I think it does really open your mind up. Well, for me, we'll pick one concrete example, uh, was Singapore. So 
that's where I went first when I left America. Um, I moved to Singapore. I became a permanent resident, did nine months of paperwork. I got legal residency and then permanent residency. Um, and really integrated. Like most of my friends were Singaporeans. There are lots of cool expats there too. At first I thought like, no, 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 I don't want to meet any expats, but I found the expats uh, that was actually, I could say that's one little thing that surprised me is that expats are usually pretty cool people because they're people like me that have also been inspired to up and leave wherever they're from, whether it was Switzerland or Argentina or who knows where, but it's like expats, we kind of have some of these things in common, but I wanted to really get to know Singapore. So when I was getting to know a lot of Singaporeans, I was shocked how many people would say things like, well, I wanted to be a musician, but my parents insisted I get a law degree. So I'm a lawyer now. And I said, no, that's so wrong. No, you have to follow your dreams. You've got to live your own life. But it took me a couple of years to hanging, of hanging out with good friends here before I really started to understand the Singapore mindset, which is kind of influenced by Confucianism. And this, uh, I think in general, we call it the collectivist versus individualist mindset. And I, I make the comparison of um, meditation where just like meditation says you should, you know, thoughts will come and go in your head. Just let them go. Don't take your emotions too seriously. I felt like my Singapore friends, families are of the mindset that you shouldn't take your whimsical passions and ambitions too seriously. Instead, just do what's best for the group, like your family, the community, your country. Like this is what's important in life, not your individual whims. Um, I also made a lot of Muslim friends from India and understood that mindset better too. And it's just not so foreign to me now. So I think the big thing is just, this was always my dream. Wait, sorry, I have to go back one more contextual thing. Even before Santa Monica, when I was 20 years old, I moved to New York City and it was overwhelming and intimidating and scary. I actually moved there at a time when crime was at an all-time high. It, it's a it's a much safer city now. At the time, it was not. It was dangerous. And it so was pre-Rudy Giuliani days. Yes, it was 1990, which I later found out, yes, statistically was I moved there in the year when crime was at an all-time high. That's when it peaked. And um, it was scary to me at first. I was 20 years old. But after just like a year or two, it's like, that was my comfort zone. Hey, this is my city. It's like I all my friends in every neighborhood I knew, every neighborhood I knew, every part of that town, like New York City became and still is my comfort zone. And I thought, what a cool transition that was from something that used to scare me is now my comfort zone. And how cool would that be to go do that again and again and again, right? Like move to Rio de Janeiro and you'd be like, it's scary. And within a few years, you're like, hey, it's my comfort zone. Okay, so now let's do it again. Let's move to Moscow. You know, scary, scary. Now it's my comfort zone. Now let's go to Beijing. Now let's go to Ulaanbaatar or whatever it may be. Like you, this idea of you keep going until, this was my dream, someday I'd be able to like spin the globe and everywhere on it would feel like my comfort zone. I love that because and there's kind of the idea of like at that point, there's really nothing you can't do or try. Because because at, at at that point, it's not really scary anymore. Yeah, you've just taught yourself over and over again that what scares me can become comfortable. Actually, you know, it's funny. Ever since I was a teenager, I don't know where I got it. Uh, I've just had a little motto that I used to, like a rule of thumb, I let lead my life. 
which is whatever scares you, go do it. Because then it doesn't scare you anymore. I love that. And it's just because I, I just love the idea of doing it through travel because I'm, I'm from a, a really small town. Like it's five eighths of a mile in size. Most of the people are in factory and industrial jobs. I was one of the few people that went to college. So the idea of, of traveling and, and really, you know, checking out the world, like you really see not only what's possible, but you also understand groups that you just didn't experience growing up and you have more reality yeah. with other people. And I just, I really think it's incredible to, I, I guess, not only, you know, do bigger things, but also have that awareness and that ability to, to see where others are from. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Where are you from? I'm from New Jersey, but I'm from like Northern New Jersey. It's kind of like living in West Virginia. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, no, I saw, no, cause you, you have this address that's on your site. I saw that you're by the, the lake, the big lake there. And, um, yeah, we're by the, the, I, I live like 45 minutes South of where I grew up now. So it's like, gotcha. we're in a much more, you know, hip area. It's we're in the largest lake in New Jersey. Right. Um, well, uh, Derek, you were, you were talking a bit about, um, you know, the philosophy of, you know, being in Singapore and it sounds like it was extremely conservative, which is interesting. Um, and you know, like having it one way and, and not creating, you know, new things, which is kind of different. Cause I guess it's not, not how innovation happens. Innovation happens by doing different things, but at the same time, you're also very interested in, in stoic philosophy, which in, in some mm. ways can be a bit conservative as well as, you know, kind of managing your own reaction to things and how you deal with things. And, and I think philosophy is an interesting subject because a lot of people will be very into it but they haven't figured out how to use it in their lives. And for you, the use and application of Stoic philosophy is a really very real thing. How, how have you used that in your life? This episode is sponsored by Audible. Audible is offering all Create Your Own Life listeners a free month of Audible and a free audiobook download. Right now, I'm reading The End Is Always Near, by future Create Your Own Life guests. That's right. We just scheduled him, Dan Carlin. And uh, he's the host of the Hardcore History Podcast. And I'm really, really loving this book as it's also narrated by Dan as well. So if you want to pick up that book or any other book for free, head over to jeremyryanslate.com slash book. That's jeremyryanslate.com slash book. Okay. So first I got to say that I've always lived with an approach to life that my friends find strange. Like I've just always been this way since I was a teenager. Uh, like I always have aimed to make life hard on myself to prepare for a tougher future. Like I'm a pessimist like that. I always expect the worst. I always expect things to get bad. Um, do you remember long ago, there used to be this series that was called like VH1 Behind the Music. Oh, yeah. And they would follow the story of some rock star. And every story had the same arc. Like, you know, they were discovered and then things were getting better. And then they got their big hit on the radio and things grew. In their... And then the narrator at some point in the story would always say, and then things took a turn for the worse. <laughs> so I felt like in my life, I'm always expecting that narration to kick in like i'm expecting things to turn really bad mm. so because of this i have always avoided luxury because i don't want to acclimate to it um I, I i never fly business class because that would make it harder for me to be okay with economy in the future um i challenge myself to do without things just on principle to make sure that i can do without them in the future if necessary 
Um, and I, I like learning things the hard way to make sure that I understand the roots of whatever I know, because I'm just pessimistically assuming that the, the fruits on top may change, right? Like, I don't want to just use some tool like WordPress to make a site. Like, no, I need to get down into the nitty gritty. I need to learn the HTML, CSS, the SQL. In fact, I want to learn how to manage my own Linux server because I don't trust anybody <laughs> to uh, all that stuff on top may disappear at any time. Like if this matters to me, I need to know the foundation of it. Um, I avoid anything that looks like addiction. You know, I, I see these people that are so addicted to their coffee. They say like, Oh man, I'm nothing until I get my morning coffee. Like, no, fuck that. No coffee for me. So I still have never tried coffee. I avoid dependencies on anything. So then, so this is all like, I'm just telling you about like teenage 20 something Derek, right? Like this is my background. So then at the age of 40, um, I kept hearing about stoicism, uh, mostly from Tim, uh, who kept raving about it. And we had read a lot of the same books, um, and he kept raving about stoicism and it just sounded so boring to me. Like, well, that's some ancient Greek, uh, dude, I'm not into that. And I was like, but I was like, okay, I'll read this one book reluctantly. So I read it. Uh, it was a, a guide to the good life. Um, was the title of the book and whoa, my jaw dropped. I was like, whoa, this is me. Like, this is my weird approach to life. It has a name. Like it's an <laughs> official thing. I thought this was like, I had never met anybody that had these same beliefs as me. And I just, now I find out it's some, you know, codified 2000 year old thing that people put a lot of thought into. So to me, it wasn't what stoicism did to change my life. It was more that it was just wonderful to hear further thoughts on this approach since I'd never honestly even thought mine through. It was always just kind of a gut feeling kind of thing, right? Like I need to always brace myself for a tougher future. I need to always expect the worst. So did it change my life? Not so much, but it justified the approach that I'd been taking before. And it gave me some great reminders why this is a wonderful way to live. Well, I think at the same time, though, it's it's also just taking greater responsibility for, for things around you. Because I think if you just look at the, at the greater society, because we have so many of these things, you know, we're becoming lazy and, and we're losing uh, engineering. There was, a, there was a movie, I don't know if you've seen this, called Idiocracy. Have you seen no. the movie So it's it's far in the future, and, and Terry Crews is actually president, uh, the 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 big muscly guy Terry Crews, mm-hmm. and everybody's gone to the point of they become so dependent on technology and everything else that they're watering the plants with Gatorade. And they say, well, why? Because it has electrolytes. Well, I don't know what they are, but we know we need them. So mm-hmm. I think at a certain point we're losing our capability by becoming too dependent on these crutches, right? Right. So we, we kind of lose the ability to create new things because we're not taking the level of responsibility that in Stoic philosophy you're, you're kind of taught to have. Right, yeah. I'm, I'm almost irrationally scared of any dependencies. Like I don't have any subscriptions. I, I, I don't use any subscription services. I just refuse because it, to me that feels like, well, now you're locked into a dependency. Um, I try to be, I avoid dependency on any one technology um, I have two cheap phones, one old iPhone and one old Android phone, and I switch back and forth every couple of weeks, always uh, erasing, wiping, and formatting just to make sure that I'm not being too dependent on any one software stack. Um, I erase my computer every few months and f- format it and reinstall the OS from scratch just to make sure that I'm not dependent on anything I can't replace quickly. Like I, That's a, it's a real thing for me, I, like avoiding <laughs> dependencies, yeah. 
Well, one of the other big tools I've heard you t- uh, talk about and also write about, Derek, is the idea of journaling and, and how that's actually become a really big component of, you know, your day and, and you know, how, how you do things. For you, like, you know, what made you start journaling? And, and I guess, what does your format look like in terms of, like, how are you actually implementing that? Hmm. Why? Okay, let me think. Four reasons. Okay. I think, I think I got this. Okay. Number one, the daily diary. So I think that one of the best ways to predict your future, to predict how you're going to feel about something in the future when you're sitting there at a crossroads trying to make a decision is to look at your past, but not through rose colored or crap colored glasses at a foggy distant memory. You need an accurate representation of how you were actually feeling at that time. And the only way to have that is through a daily diary. So I only trust my daily report of that day. Looking back even a week later, I think it's too easy to wrap things up in a nice or dramatic story. So I keep a daily diary just saying what I did today and how I was feeling. And I keep it all in plain text files that are easy to search. So I can search for um, occurrences of people or places or feelings. And I can search to see, for example, when I first started considering a decision or how my thoughts progressed on it. So reason number two, which is also answering your how, I'm kind of, I'm trying to wrap up how and why into one. (laughs) So uh, number two, my topic journals. So after a few years, I realized that there were topics I kept coming back to, whether it was my thoughts on Singapore, my thoughts on getting a dog, uh, the value of travel, uh, programming, asset protection, sex, whatever. Like instead of having these thoughts scattered around my daily diary, I decided to start keeping them each in one place. So I have a folder now called Thoughts On, and inside that folder are like, I don't know, 150 little text files, but on one subject. So it'll be like Thoughts On Dog. (laughs) And for about a year, I was like on and off considering getting a dog. And each time I was considering it, as a way of thinking out loud, instead of putting it in my daily diary, I'd open up my Thoughts On slash dog. Well, And I just start typing today's thoughts on getting a dog or not in there so that later when I'm like, you know, as this decision progresses, I can look at all my collected thoughts going back months or years or whatever it may be, depending on the size of the decision um, in one place. So that's a, that's a topic journal. That's incredibly handy. I love that. Whenever I'm thinking about a certain subject, I keep coming back to I do it all in one place. Um, third reason and methodology is I like planning Um, it's like daydreaming on steroids instead of just having a nice idea. Like when I get a nice idea, I like to dig into the implementation of it, right? Like I'll I'll write down exactly how I would make this idea happen. Uh, I'll list out all the steps. Even if I never end up doing anything about it, I just love geeking out on planning how I would make this idea happen. Whether it's, you know, moving to Mongolia or building a web app or something like that. I, I love to just plan it out instead of just having some vague idea. I dig into the details. It, 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 it makes the daydream more vivid. You know what I mean? Yeah. James um, Altucher talks about something similar to that. And it, it kind of gives you the ability to, to create a lot more ideas just because you're, you're in that creative space. Oh, nice. It's kind of like you're working the muscle. The more you do it, the more things you can create. Right. Yeah. And lastly, the fourth is, and I think maybe this is the most important reason or it kind of wraps up the other three is that everything I've learned has come from reflection. 
So this can be daily or by topic or while planning. But the point is it's organizing your thinking. It's putting something into clear writing helps straighten it out in your head. I mean, so does telling friends about it. I also get a lot of benefit just from chatting with friends and bouncing ideas off each other, explaining it to a friend who doesn't know what I'm talking about sometimes. Just, you know, explaining something helps. But I think this is even better where you write down your first thought, then your following thoughts, but then you go back to question what you just wrote. Like if you wrote down a statement, now question if that statement is really true. Well, what's the opposite of that? Could that be true as well? How would someone challenge this? If I were to present this idea publicly, what would the uh, the probable pushback be? And so if I were, if this weren't in writing, I would have a hard time keeping all this straight. Like all these thoughts would disappear into a cloud. And uh, so I just love having it all in writing to go back and reflect on again and again and build off of it. So, yeah. I, I love that. And I, I guess then looking at that, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, the type of journals you do based on your journaling process. Do you find that there was one idea that I guess completely changed by the time you worked it through? Oh God, most of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh man. I mean, so many like, see, I mean, I still come to terms with say, for example, my concept of home. I've had a few different homes in the last few years in a few different places. I mean, I've lived in a, little furnished apartment with one suitcase for a year. I've lived in a nice house that I, you know, like bought a bunch of furniture for and moved in. And then like, after that, I lived in an errand B&B for a few months. And after that, I, it's like, I've, I've tried a bunch of different approaches to home. Sometimes I splurge. Sometimes I go cheap. Sometimes I have a great view. Sometimes I have none. And it's just interesting constantly coming back to this. What does home mean to me journal? Um, and kind of refining and adding to and refining my ideas, like kind of, I make some assumptions based on my current situation. As time goes on, I kind of re-question those assumptions and add some more refinement to it. And You know what I mean? No, absolutely. Well, well, well Derek, if we were to take a look at like historical figures, and I, I, for me, you know, the, the person that I'm most intrigued by is Alexander the Great. I've read, I can't even tell you how many books and how many philosophers and people that have written about him, but I guess what historical figure has inspired you or interested you the most? Hmm. I don't know much about Benjamin Franklin, but I'd like to learn more about him. If I'm thinking historical, he seems like he was a uh, very thoughtful dude. He's um, created a lot of things uh, well before their time as well. Right. It's actually, you know, it got me interested in, in him. I was in Brussels, Belgium at the Museum of Musical Instruments, and they had this glass one that kind of looked like Imagine if you would take like 50 wine glasses of different sizes and tip them all over on their side. So the biggest one is in the left and the smallest one is on the right, but all in a row. And now you put an axle through the middle of it and spin them through water with like a, a tray of water beneath them so that you can rub your fingers on top of them while it's spinning. And it's called, I forget what it's called right now, but Glass it's Monica. Thank you. And it said that Benjamin Franklin <laughs> invented it. And I listened to it. And I was just like, wow, it's gorgeous. Like that mofo invented like, oh my God, bifocals and, you know, the kite and the electricity. Like, wow. I, and, you know, the constitution and whatever. Like, I really want to learn more about this guy. So, um, yeah, that's just the first one that comes to mind. 
Absolutely. Well, Derek, I just have two more questions for you just as we're, as we're kind of wrapping up here. And if, if you were to take a look at, at 21-year-old Derek versus Derek now, what would be something uh-huh. that you believed then that you don't believe now? Wait, sorry. What was something I believed then that, that I don't believe. believe now? Yeah, something you held, you held as, as a truth at 21 that you don't hold as a truth now. Ah, let's see. We should make all our goals come true. Uh, I'm going to be a famous musician. Music is my life. Money doesn't matter. Rich people are greedy. The love of my life is out there. I'll never have a kid. It'd be bad to be well-rounded. Uh, if I only had blank, 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 then I'll be happy. Uh, famous and successful people are a different, different breed. They're a different kind of person. They're intimidating. Uh, I need to make a plan and follow it well. Sounds like you've had a lot of viewpoint shifts, man. <laughs> a lot. I don't know. This is just off the top of my head. Like those are the first ones that come to mind. But like, dude, when I think about twenty one, I mean, I'm, I just turned fifty. Like twenty one. God, I just. Uh, it's almost hard to remember what I believed at the time. But those are the ones that come to the top of my head. Very cool. If we were far in the future, and and basically, you know, you you, you have a few weeks before you're going to pass, and and you know, uh, you 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 are lucid enough to write your own epitaph. <laughs> You're right, man. <laughs> well, I can't be reduced to a sentence, and neither can you. So here's what I'm doing, and what I recommend everyone listening do too, is to write your own autobiography. Like, start now. Don't wait until you're, like, you know, in a hospital bed. Write your, start to write your own autobiography now. Add to it occasionally. Like, write the last chapter first, the after you're dead chapter. Then keep filling in the previous chapters until you die. And tell your family where to find it on your computer so that when you're dead, they can release it to the world. And tell your story. Share your thoughts. Uh, record your personality. See, so I, I, I believe that different religions disagree on what happens after you die, Right. But I think we can all agree on this, that your personality lives on in the thoughts of others. So the people who encountered you, whether it in person or online, got to understand your personality, right? You're, they get to understand your thought process, the way that you see the world. Like this is, this is the uniquely Jeremy Ryan Slate way of seeing the world. And when you're gone, that stays with them. Like they'll continue to smile at the things that you said, or they'll continue to find some of your insights useful. They'll remember your weird opinions. They'll remember what you loved and why. So I think we should each share our personality, uh, share your thought process, uh, share the way you think, because that is your afterlife. I love that. I, I feel like that's an amazing, amazing shift on that. Well, Derek, I really enjoyed this, man. Um, as I said, I've waited like four years for this interview, and I'm glad we could finally do this. For all the people out there listening, if they want to connect with you, if they want to follow you, where's the best place to go? Uh, I'm actually weird in the fact that I like hearing from people. It's actually, you know, I'm, I'm basically retired. Like, I don't do anything for money anymore. And I feel like one of my favorite kind of compensation or payments, virtual payments is is hearing from people. I really like hearing from people that introduce themselves. So go to my website, go to sivers.org and you will see a big contact me link. And I put my email address right there in a huge font. So use it, say hello, introduce yourself. 
Awesome. Well, Derek Sivers, thank you so much for hanging out with me today on the Create Your Own Life show. Thanks. It was fun. Hey, guys. Thanks for hanging out with me and Derek today. You can check him out over at Sivers.org, or you guys can get the show notes for this episode over at jeremyryanslate.com slash 645. Also, don't forget to subscribe for free in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else fine podcasts are served. And while you're over there, leave us a rating or review because I want to hear from you. All right. Rock on, guys. Have an amazing day. And go out there and create your own life.